Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the Estate Agents podcast. We are uh, well into week two of the coronavirus lockdown and we are doing our level best to bring you uh, twice or thrice weekly updates from myself, Luke and Stephen. Hi guys, how are you? Very good, thank you. How's the week been? Yeah, good. Busy. It seems to be going through really quickly, so hopefully we'll be through the... Uh through the other side as soon as, uh, as soon as we can. Absolutely. Today we have a special guest, somebody that we've tried to get on the podcast before. I don't know whether he's uh, just looking to escape his mother and wife and uh, four-month-old baby at the moment for a little bit of sanity and estate agency talk, but welcome, Simon Ward. Mr. Green, how are you? Very good, Andy. I'm not sure I've ever had an invite before. I think I had to strong-arm my way onto the podcast. I think you've been avoiding them all day. Not at all, not at all. We like that level of exclusivity and you've reached the barrier. Wow, good day for me. Thank you. But yeah, happy to be here. So Luke, what have we got on today's show? Well, uh, we've had a listener question. So I think that takes our listeners up to six in total. Um, I've had a great conversation this afternoon with Heather from Spectre, um, kind of helping their clients navigate through uh, communicating with um, their vendors and landlords. Um, but shall we address the listener question first of all? Because obviously uh, it's something that got posed from the last podcast that we did. And that was all around virtual viewings or remote valuations or remote viewings. And, and what relevancy do they have in, in the current market? Absolutely. So we'll kick off with James Kendall. Uh, one thing I'm slightly confused about, maybe a topic to discuss on your next podcast, but what is the point of all these virtual viewings and valuations at the moment? I'm not trying to piss on anyone's chips, but how can we accurately advise on value when we don't know if we're going to be out of this in three, six or nine months? Is it just about harvesting data for potential sellers in the hope we have something to come back out of the other side with? Stephen? People still need to move. Um, what I find fascinating is, and you know, I'm speaking to loads of agents every day, there's still deals being done. Um, and a lot of the deals are being done are remote. Um, I would say the majority are being done on lettings rather than sales, but, um, with vacant properties, um, with all within the guidelines, um, and there's still um, opportunities out there for agents. Um, I think some agents are actually missing a trick. I know this not business as usual, it's businesses as unusual, um, but there's still opportunities taking place. Um, what I would say to you if you're offering a remote market appraisal is at least do it and then book in a time in four weeks time if we're out of lockdown put it in the diary to go back and to give them an up-to-date um, price then. Um, so at least you've had the discussion first of all, and then you've got it in the diary to go back. You know, obviously if we're in lockdown for longer or people's circumstances are that they're still in self-isolation, then um, move that date again. But, but for me, um, if that's what's going to make you different and stand you out from the other agents, then, then do it. Um, what's really interesting is that people are calling um, uh, vendors, landlords, purchasers, tenants, and, and people were grateful to hear from them. 
I know today I've spoken to, I've done my um, seven to 10 day weekly calls to people over 70. And yes, Andy Oberman, before you get it in, I'll be there next year. Okay, just to, just to stop you saying it. Um, and I cannot tell you how grateful all these people are for the, for the calls. Um, some of them were really upbeat um, with these sprightly 90 year olds um, telling me they're writing their life stories. And others were um, very sad, saying, you know, we're very lonely and, um, you know, it's um, finding it really, really hard. Um, but people, people were grateful. So, you know, I'm not one for making salesy calls now. But if somebody phones me up and says, look, I'm, you know, I need to sell for whatever reason. I need to rent um, for whatever reason my property out. What options do you have? And they phone you. Um, and you give them the options and they try and get hold of another agent who's closed, um, who's going to get the business. Absolutely. It's the one that's offering the remote service, isn't it? Obviously. Um, and that leads us nicely into our second point, Luke um, and uh, Stephen, Simon as well. People asking, for my staff that are in the office, the phones aren't ringing. What do we do? Simon. Um, the, well, I don't think there are that many staff left in offices now, um, first and foremost. And so we've got everyone remote working, um, totally, totally different environment to how we were before. More have changed, everything's changed. Um, so where we're not being able to do, as Stephen mentioned, you know, the sales calls, um, one point just in reference to the, you know, what's the point of a, of a remote valuation? Um, evaluation actually giving the numbers a really small part of a of an appointment and giving advice to someone you can you can still do 99 percent of the of the chat you can still give them advice on everything um presentation the whole thing you can give them all the advice but you, you maybe can't give them a number because you don't really know what it's going to be but um i'd still do the 99 percent of the meeting um that makes sense perfect sense steady on this is um your first appearance and i don't want to be losing my presenter slot <laughs> i think that's good <laughs> Um, for us um there's not as much stuff we can do in terms of actual listing selling houses um, let's all be realistic so um, for me it's a case of focusing on what we can do for the local community who can we help who can we still do things for um, and that even comes into our own teams as well so really heavily focused on training um, what can we learn as business owners it's a really good time for us for feedback so um, feedback from from clients, um, feedback from our staff members, um, feedback from the community. Um, I think it's a good time to evaluate and just see where you really are with things. Um, it's a good time to, to maybe put things that you're not so happy with, change them, make them better. Um, it's, yeah, I, I think there's tons and tons of stuff you can do. Um, I feel like this week we changed a bit of a corner, whereas last week we were kind of just like, okay, well, what, what's going on? You know, what are we going to do? How's it going to work? And then this week we found the team really positive and um, finding stuff to do, like we're sharing podcasts, we're doing review over um, like YouTube videos and stuff, we're creating some videos, we're doing some training stuff. So um, I think if you haven't maybe got to that point yet, I think you probably will do in the next day or so. Um, and it's quite fun. I'm, I'm actually really enjoying it. I know it's tough out there. I know, I know all of the bad stuff, um, but learning new things is, is good fun. And we've got the opportunity now to do it. And let's, you know, let's remember, you can't change 
what's happening out there. You know, that, that is something that is completely outside of our control. What is within our control is what we do now. Um, Stephen. So I'm just going to read something from, um, I got from a guy in Australia that trains um, and works with the McGraw guys. So it's a guy called um, Jeff Jowett. And he said, it's so easy to just get caught in hysteria and chaos, go into overwhelm, panic and fear. I cannot control what's going on in the world. I can only control my actions and I can witness my thoughts. I can't control my thoughts, but I can choose which thoughts I will pay attention to. I can control actions and I can choose the thoughts that I wish to give energy. It's never been a more important time to be present, calm and still. Witness thought, don't be controlled by it. Keep it simple, narrow, narrow your focus. Um, and I think that's really appropriate with you know what's going on. So what other things you can control um, in your office? So Simon, what you said about the community stuff, for me, you know, you've got to be speaking to every single person in your database and just asking how they are, um, how they're doing. Um, you need to be getting involved into the community. So I'm sure we discussed it last time. And Andy, you talked about your um, dance video, um, how you were helping <laughs> how you are helping a lady um, in your community. Um, and I know that that's, you've had over 5,000, most probably 10,000 views now. Um, on yeah, that. about 6,000 views, Six. reach of 15, 16,000. So, you know, and that's something that you've done that's going to help that particular um, person. My dogs, as always, are going to say hello because it's feeding time. So um, I'll let somebody else speak whilst, um, before they start howling so one of the things that um simon wanted to talk about is uh, he's mentioned that he's been analyzing his business and it really is a great time for um all, all colleagues um at whatever level to sit back look at what's happening in the business um look at what's average and what could be um not quite so good and and what we need to do to to make it absolutely outstanding and simon um do you want to just speak to our listeners um let them know what part of it is you want to focus on with us guys today um yeah the the bit that i've been analyzing is really the absolute most basic part of this agency job which is registering application uh, registering applicants um i think if I even look at my own applicants and the people that I register, which is far fewer now than it was, you know, two, three years ago. Um, mine aren't even, even spot on every single time. And the, the, the really interesting part about when we're analyzing all of our agents is that the, the people that most consistently register applicants, the best, all of their other metrics are the best as well. So number of valuations, books, number of offers, um, all their ratios for conversions, everything is better. And it can all correlate really directly to how well they're registering applicants, all of it. People will forget what you said, forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. It's the fundamental of our business. Applicant registration is the start and the end point um, uh, of the whole customer journey. Luke? Well, I think it comes back to how can you 
actually serve that customer to the best of your ability and what is right for them if you don't know the full information about them so if you don't know the simple details about and I think we've mentioned this on a previous podcast and I'll just reiterate it when it comes to finance and finance is obviously more of a pressing issue at the minute but um, there's some statistics to say that 20% of people that needed a mortgage couldn't actually borrow any money um, and then 40% of those after that couldn't borrow what they wanted to borrow in the first place. So how can you probably uh, or properly um, send people around to do viewings or spend your time with those people and get their hopes and dreams up if what they're trying to do they can't achieve? Is that not doing a disservice to your vendor but also to them by by getting them over, overly excited? To, and, but why don't you work with them? And what Simon said... It, the quality of applicant registration within any, within, any bit, within any business, if you had to rate it on a scale of one to 10, one being you've basically got a name and number and 10 being you know absolutely everything about them in terms of why it is they're moving, et cetera, et cetera, their, their, their motivations and needs. Uh, again, Julian talks about the Magnificent Seven, um, those seven key questions to, to ask someone to understand more about that client. If, if you're not doing that, don't think you deserve to be in business if i'm honest 100 percent. what does world-class applicant registration look like to you then stephen or hugh hefner as your zoom title is now <laughs> calling you <laughs> what does, uh, it's all about asking good questions and it's all about listening um so I would, you know, I think Simon, you brought out a great point now. So now's an opportunity to actually be reviewing all your data because if you put shit data in, you get shit data out. Um, and now is an opportunity to be going through your Bible of excellence to take registration and applicant registration. What does excellence look like? You know, and for the people that have still got teams in place, now I'll be going through all of that. So, you know, are you getting people's names and addresses and email addresses? And I had a conversation with an agent today um, and I said, right, I want you to register me as a, I'm a tenant. What questions would you ask me? Um, and they asked some amazing questions, but they didn't take my postcode. So I said, well, why don't you, why aren't you taking my postcode? Well, um, I just don't think it's important. So I said, well, what's the opportunity there? Um if you get their postcode and we worked out that they register 400 people uh, a month. Um, and then they and I said, well, how many of those people do you think have got a local postcode to you? And they said 80%. So I said, okay, so that's 320 potential addresses you've got in your area where there are um, landlords and you're not getting that information. So you're losing the opportunities, you know, and we talk a lot about um, marginal gains. So, you know, cross check it with your database. You may have actually been to those properties. You've got the landlord's name and number, and it's an opportunity to call them. Um, that to me, as Luke said, is, you know, that's basic. That's one of the basic things that I will be doing. And it scares me that so many agents aren't doing it. You know, you know financing, um, again, where they're moving to. So, you know, if they're a first-time buyer, are you registering them and sending out a first-time buyer guide? You know, we're doing this now by video. 
Um, I think where we're going through at the moment, a lot more things are going to be done with video and more personal. You know, once we've registered somebody, um, can we send them a video to say, thanks very much, Andy. It's a pleasure speaking to you. This is what I understand your requirements are, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it may be a buy to let investor who's buying for the first time. You know, can we send them a guide to make a difference um, that's going to help them? A first time buyer guide. Um, here's, here's the 10 steps that you need to do next, et cetera, et cetera. So I would start looking at ways to add value, but it all comes back to um, asking great questions and listening and the 80 20 rule. Andrew, Mr. Fetford. <laughs> um, do you know, one of the most annoying things for me is when somebody registers an applicant and it says um, about their buying time frame. When, when are you looking to secure something? And somebody will write, no hurry, when they find the right property. That to me shows that that applicant has not been registered correctly at all. Because if you had, you'd have had the conversation about why they're working towards a certain timeline, what their hopes are, what their aspirations are. Are, are they living with parents? Are the parents having to move? Um, you know, have they got another sibling in the house? Is it a, a case that there's no space where they currently are? Is it a landlord that's selling the rental property that they're in? So they'll, they'll be on a timeline. It's like on valuations as well. If we, you know, book uh, sales advice meetings with our clients and, um, your negotiator will fill in time frame. Oh, no hurry. Well, no hurry is just the lazy way of getting out of putting something into ticker box, isn't it? It's not. Um, it, it's you know you, you've got to look and reframe what we're doing to work out how it best serves the client at the time, whether that be a, a vendor or an applicant, um, because today's applicants will be next year's or the year after's vendors. So they walk in. I, I had a, a classic example um, when we were still trading a, a few weeks ago in normal conditions where an applicant had come into my office. I'd shown them three properties that, um, that I had. We'd visited each, uh, we, we, we accompany all of our viewings. So we'd visited them. I'd listened to what they wanted. Um, and I knew a competitor had exactly what they wanted. And so I got them back into the office, been out for the afternoon. They'd traveled some distance. And one of the girls made them a cup of coffee and I went online and I said, that's the house that you're probably going to buy. And it's with that estate agent who were just up the road. And they kind of looked at me as though I was, you know, my colleagues looked at me as though I was nuts. You know, why are you doing that? Well, actually I'm doing that because in three to four to five years time, when those people come to resell, they are going to remember what I've just done for them if you've got that stay in touch policy and when they've completed on their purchase, we don't stick them into witness protection um, and, and, and never speak to them again. Luke, what does world-class applicant registration look like to you? Is, is Luke going to unmute himself? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Mr. Tech, what does world-class applicant registration look like to you? So as Stephen points out, it's questions, but it's having a system and a process for it. And it's also giving your team the tools to do it. So uh, so an example of what we do. So we have kind of like uh, whether or not you want to call them cheat cards or hint cards um, on a key ring. And they're about the size of an A5 piece of paper, which have the, the key questions like the Magnificent Seven that, that Julian Adele talks about. Other questions to help 
understand their motivation. So why is it that they need to be moved? Um, what's what's appealing to them? Where they want to be going to? What is the repercussions if they didn't move by X date? Um, so if, if if they couldn't be moved by August, what does that mean? Well, the kids can't get into a new school and that means that the wife's going to have a real moan at me because then she's going to have to keep driving to the new school every day for, for the next year, et cetera, et cetera. So, so it's making it easy for your team and bringing your team in on it. So I, I would suggest that, that any agency is actually get, get your team together because they will have the answers as well um, and then they can take ownership and you can develop a system all together. So beautifully put. So guys, these are strange times. There's um, a number of colleagues across the industry have been furloughed. There are some that are working, uh, most are working remotely. Um, very challenging, very difficult times. What have you seen, Stephen, in the last week from the uh, industry? We're all in this together. Um, so many pulling people pulling together to help each other out. Um, you know, we, we've got, um, we're doing, um, daily calls, um, and, you know, just for support and helping people, um, is making a difference. Um, some people come to the party supplier wise, some haven't. Um, so I think you're going to find out when we are out of this, who you're going to, um, who you're going to remember and who you're going to support and who you, and who you're not going to support. Um, Actually, okay. Stephen, just while you're talking about suppliers, can we cut in there and bring uh, Mr. Simon Ward back in? Because um, Mr. Ward, you've ditched um, one of uh, one of your suppliers recently and, and, and quite vocally too, haven't you? Um, who, who are you no longer with? Um, we haven't actually left yet, but 1st of May is our date for when we leave right move. Um, I would say that over the last three weeks, I've probably given more hell to, to our larger suppliers for, for everything within our business than they would appreciate generally. Um, I have not been, been holding back at all um, with any of them. I've been disgusted by the behavior of, of some of them. And there are certain things I can tolerate, you know, hard business, take it. Um, uh, trying to get the way they want, I can take that. Um, the, the bullying and the and the just being horrible with it, um, I I as a man can't accept. So for me, certain suppliers have kind of crossed over that line of um, business into um, me personally actually really 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 disliking them. Never a good place to be. Well. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's going to happen now going forward i think the um, right mover and super are well within their rights to run their business however they want um but if if they really don't think that they've caused irreparable damage to their businesses by their actions within this then they're absolutely mental uh, so where, where are you going to advertise now um do you know what i haven't really 100 percent decided um there's it might be a case of that in the interim period between right move and <laughs> where they came from how we got them what the quality of it was how much we've spent 
to get that lead. Um, we can get leads from other places. It's just working out the, the cost of doing it. It might be that we end up spending twice as much money on other, other avenues to get the same quality of buyer lead as what we were getting from Rightmove. And I go back to Rightmove and say, do you know what? It's the best product I've ever had. Um, charge me twice as much. Here we go. I don't think that's, that's going to happen. If anybody really sat in their business and said, right, it's 20 quid for a buyer lead. Do you want it? Nobody's, nobody's going to pay it nobody's going to pay it and i think the only reason we're all on right move is for sellers that's the only reason is we're on right move for sellers and right move doesn't provide seller leads you don't you don't get seller leads from right move you might get an applicant that's maybe got a property to sell that then right move have then subsequently resold that data to somebody else to pitch to them so i'm i'm sort of a bit perplexed as to what the the point of right move is other than maybe a bit of expensive convenience. Well, I've just seen um, a, a note, a friend of the show, Sanjay um, at Moss Properties, I believe has just served notice to Zoopla and right move. And he's investing his entire um, budget reinvesting back into social. Stephen, what do you think? I think social and Facebook and video is massive, you know, and that's what's going to get your name out there. I was speaking to her, I had a long chat with Ian White today, and there's loads of free portals out there. So why not just use for free portals? You know, the one don'ts of this world, um, net house prices and others. And it's all about us as agent educating um, our vendors, our landlords, our tenants and buyers where, where, where these are going to go to. Um, this could be a massive turning point um, where agents have got an opportunity to uh, to fight back. Um, if all, if all the agents cave in, then actually right move have got more power, um, and they're just going to keep on hiking the prices and hiking the prices and hiking the prices. So now we talk about all in this in this together, and I know there's two or three different action groups out there. Um, you know, obviously agents have got to do what's best for their business, you know, and as Simon said, you've got to actually analyze the leads because it may well be right move is the best for your business. May well be Zoopla is best for the business or it may, may well be you go onto the one domes of this world and you've got to educate people to say, this is where your property is going to be. For yeah. me, I'll be using Facebook and I'll be using video. Um, and also you can, Luke can tell me more. Um, but you know why can't you start um, having properties having their own website and using them to go on Google and telling people right if you want to see this property Google 123 Smith Street because all the information's on there and sending traffic to that tell you what I'm really interested to see um, over the coming weeks is is what Sam and the home search team are doing um, their portal um, as I, I looked at it last week and i'm going to jump on a on a webinar with them um immediately after recording this to see what their their progress is this week but um yeah i, I really liked what i th i think what they're looking to achieve is i think what agents want and um certainly yeah, i think i described it as the simplicity of apple functionality of google and the friendly ui of pinterest which i, th I think they've absolutely nailed Simon, sorry. sorry. I put my hand up just to be polite. The, um, I think the, the thing we're going to see, hopefully, 
is just masses and masses of innovation in terms of the actual product. Um, the one thing that I found most frustrating with Rightmove is that we've been paying them, you know, a lot of money and I don't think they listen. Um, we've had Matterport now for probably five years and you cannot access a virtual tour for Matterport via the Rightmove app um, if you're on your mobile. From, from a mobile, you cannot get a virtual tour out of Rightmove. And I think what's it going to be like in a year's time everywhere's going to be virtual tour i think everyone will have some form of matterport or something like that because the tech's so great and you can't even get it on a mobile device i mean that's way far behind the product um, they're just gonna they're gonna find themselves they haven't got that top leader position then then what have you got an average product um not all the homes um, i don't know about you simon but about two years ago maybe three years ago Rightmove rep came to see us and absolutely pitched for mobile banners. You know, have buy this, buy this banner because 52% of people uh, are looking at what we do on a tablet or an iPhone. And we're like, great. Where's the virtual tour? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Luke, come on, you're Mr. Tech. Put your two pennies worth in, buddy. No, I... I... I completely agree. And I think the landscape of agency, the landscape of business after we come out of lockdown is going to be completely different. Um, we're going to go away from voice conversations to video conversations. I think we're going to want to see the, the reactions of people. But like Stephen said, to have a website for 23 Smith Street um, and to actually start serving the customers better um, and where are people hanging out? But yes, people are hanging around on, on Rightmove, but we've caused the issue in sending the traffic there. But where, where is everyone else at the moment sitting on Facebook? Uh, they're, sit, they're sitting on Instagram. Uh, they're sitting in your community groups. Um, they're sitting in your community. So that I think there's far better. And, and one thing to just reiterate going back to the original question at the beginning was about what, what is there really any need to do these virtual vows and virtual appointments it's all about building relationships because it's a relationship business that we sit in so if we're building those relationships for those valuations now we if that's a hundred meter race and our competitors aren't doing that virtual vow and they've probably shut the doors or their furloughed colleagues if we're 30, 40 metres ahead of, of the competitors, we've only got to jog out past the finishing line, whereas they've got to come out of the starting blocks in the sprint and they're already behind us. So what people can be doing now to put in the groundwork is going to dictate the next 90, 120 days worth of income. We sat on that Zoom call, didn't we, with uh, Troy Malcolm of, um, the, uh, uh, of McGrath Estate Agents uh, that Stephen kindly facilitated through his SJB consultancy the other morning. And we discussed about how the market is likely to pop. Literally, you know, there's going to be, uh, like, Simon, you've already shared a story about um, your living arrangements at the moment. I'm suddenly thinking, do we need a bigger garden? Um, you know, there's going to be hundreds of people out there that are like, okay, I literally cannot, if this is the new landscape of the market, I cannot work without a home office. I need to move. There's going to be people that are thinking, 
you know what? We were sat in that house for 12 weeks in lockdown and it's just too bloody big. I couldn't keep up with the housework. Similarly, there's going to be people that think the house is too small. We need to move. So I think that there's going to be this huge pent up frustration and demand in the property market that when this is all over, if you're equipped, if you've had those right conversations, if you've been front and foremost, if you've carried on being a community agent you will be first and foremost on the call list for when those people want to buy and sell in the future 100 percent. and uh, again i was listening to something from josh vegan today and he talks about in nine ten months time there's going to be a huge baby boom mate will, definitely um, not in my house <laughs> <laughs> so but you can see it you can you can generally see see what's going to happen. Of course, what what do people need? They need bigger spaces once the children come along. As Simon knows, once once children come along, the amount of stuff that a child brings along with it, you suddenly start needing a bigger house. So that's going to help the housing market in general as well. Simon, anything you'd like to finish up with today? Um, yeah, just a little bit on maybe the virtual viewing, virtual valuation stuff, and also the applicant registration. Um, I really like working backwards. So let's just say, for example, with an applicant registration, I like looking at, let's just say that applicant registration goes all the way to completion with us. And then what I'll look at is what information do we need at each step? So as we work backwards, what information do we need at each step? How valuable it be to have it, that information at that step? And what's the earliest point in the conversation with that person that we can probably get it, you know, without sitting them down for seven hours on application, getting all the information. So we set a target of sort of about five, six minutes for an applicant registration if we can. Um, but say, for example, you're going to really important part, get to the, the offer point. So you got an offer, the, the person you viewed with they want to offer. Let's just say that you whiz through an, uh, an app of registration and then they don't live locally, they're not really, um, or they like email after they've met you, but you show them around somewhere and then they email through an offer, right? Um, you then got to take the offer. You, you're going to try and qualify as much as possible, but they're probably going to be holding back now. They know that they're actually putting an offer on the table and you've got to take the offer to the client. And I think the likelihood of you closing that deal is much, much less than if you actually registered them properly and you had all the information about the person. And, um, I think that's one of the key things that what we we miss sometimes as estate agents is that you I'd say our job a lot of the time is to guide people to the end result right you know where they want to get to kind of predict the future in an unpredictable scenario um, and I think agents actually are really really good at doing it just subject to asking the right questions at the, at the right time but doing it early so I think you need to look back at that in stages Simon so when somebody's out viewing with you before they view, you need to send them an e-guide about what can, what can they expect with a viewing with Mr. Green. Um, okay, so we're gonna come fully equipped with a seller's checklist. We're gonna have all of the answers to things like when the boiler was serviced, et cetera, et cetera. So we complete a freehold or leasehold PIQ with our clients prior to going to market. No house goes to market without one. Every time we do a viewing, we accompany all of our viewings and we've got that relevant information. Things like broadband speed, nearest bus, nearest school, council tax band cost and such like so when somebody registers with us you know we can send an e-guide to say this is what the viewing process is like with you know mr green estate agents when you're on the viewing 
How about the evening of that viewing, you send out another e-guide to say, hey, great to meet you today. Lo um, you know, hope, hope you, know, you found our time uh, valuable and you, know, you enjoyed looking at the properties, blah, blah, blah. What if you want to make an offer, question mark? Ask the rhetorical, the next step is, this is the offer process with Mr. Green. This is what we're going to expect. So we're going to want to see evidence of your deposit. We're going to want to know, uh, we're going to, we, you know, you're going to have to complete an AML check. We're going to want to know where the money's coming from, um, what funding you have available, what provisions are in place and at what stage is that before we can actually uh, qualify and quantify any offer and put that forward as a firm offer to our client. Then we get fast forward again. We're, we're then looking at the offer acceptance at the, at the office stage should your offer be accepted, this is what the process is, and then send them out another guide. So actually, there is a way that we can signpost our applicants using what you've just said, stripping it back from completion. So what's the final thing on completion? Um, bottle of bubbly and flowers, okay? So we work back from that, what's that exchange? So what can we do for people on exchange that would be helpful? Well, we can tell them that we're gonna drop the keys around to them on completion. Um, we can explain to them that they're going to get a call seven days after completion because we're going to check in on them. We can then explain to them that every 12 months after that, they're going to get a phone call from us with an update on what their property, their investment is worth. If you strip that back at each stage of the journey, you can be sending out the e-guide one stage ahead. So you've signposted that whole journey. For me, that looks like world-class applicant registration and customer journey. Okay, and if anybody wants a client for life um, template for what happens um, after exchange, um, please get in contact and I will send that over to you. Unless your name's Simon Ward and you're a Man United's fan. <laughs> Simon, finish up then. Um, just with the applicant registration, I just want to tell a really, really quick story. Um, so there's a flat we were selling, it was on at 285. Um, probably at the high end of, of, of where we were hoping to get realistically we're sort of thinking 275 is probably the, the realistic sale price um we did a viewing with a guy and for him the place was worth 270 he was a little bit desperate went to 275 final offer on the table effectively um now because i registered him right i knew that he had a real pinch point on a certain date where he was going to have to pay for removals out of his rental um, there was nothing else he could do and because I know my client and I knew there's a bit of flexibility, I knew that I could get the date. So the date, which I agreed with him, I said, look, I'm going to get you the date, um, but you've got to come up to, to, to 280. You've got to pay the money that the seller, the seller wants. And he came to the money, but he only came to the money based on getting the date. And is it, the only reason why I went down that route of negotiation is because I knew that he really needed the date. So it was the last thing that we left on the table to get that last bit of money. So that day, forget about the property, what the property's worth. The date was worth five grand for my client. Superb. That is an example of exceptional agency. Thank you for listening to episode 64 of the Estate Agents podcast with myself, Stephen, Luke, and special guest today, Simon Ward. Uh, we are going to aim to get another episode out early next week, as you can appreciate Luke is a um, very busy uh, business owner at the moment that's rolling out his new CRM. Um, obviously, Stephen is offering the free 30-minute Zoom calls. If you want to hit him up on SJB Consultancy, he's very keen to um, help people, um, train, educate, 
look at systems and processes so that their business has come out better the other side. Um, and I have a little bit more free time on my hands now, so feel free to reach out to me if you'd like to. From all of us here, stay safe. Uh, and our final message is stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives. Thank you. Bye. Bye.